Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. I invite you now to stand for reading from the Gospel according to John chapter 20 verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head lying not with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. For just a moment, let's pretend that we're there in the garden. And not just in a nice garden with a picturesque setting. Let's picture that we are in the actual garden that morning. We are in the story, the very garden that we just read about, full of chaos and confusion. You might find yourself entering into the garden, being one of the ones who came to finalize the burying ritual. You came ready to say goodbye. You came to make this the last chance to be with the one that you loved. Or you could have come to the garden being one of the followers who came ready to protect the body or just to see where he lay or to help in whatever way you can because the grief 
that you'd been carrying became too much to bear. After all, as the history up until this point had written it, you had been best friends with a convicted criminal who was sentenced to death through capital punishment. And so maybe you've just come to the garden to escape the reality of the previous week. But I'm going to make a guess as we're here in the garden this morning. I'm going to guess that we come to the garden with two hopes in our hearts. One hope is to make good on what we already have, to restore our relationships, to find a path of truth-telling and forgiveness and reconciliation with friends and family members, and to do the same before God. That's our first hope, to make a new covenant with God, with our neighbors, and that new covenant makes it possible for us to heal from the past week. But the second hope that we bring to the garden is something that we've never known. It's a whole new world. It's a new life. And we don't know that we brought it with us until we meet the resurrected Christ. And this second hope, this further hope, this future hope invites us to find a new creation and to live with God forever. And Easter is the place where these two hopes meet at a point where everything that we've ever, ever, ever known becomes a whole new world, a new life full of new possibility beyond the fear of death, beyond the limitations of what our bodies tell us we can and can't do, beyond the reality of a decaying and a fragile world. And our further hope and our present hope come together. And it's rare when it happens, but when it does, you can't help but sit back and know Christ is there. Because it wouldn't have happened had the stone not been rolled away. If we got to the garden, bringing our hopes, bringing our fears, bringing our worries, and saw the stone right where we left it, it would have been business as usual. But yet, here we are on Easter Sunday, and something's out of place. Something's not as it is expected to be. We came with grief and worry and anxiety and fear. And what if someone saw us here to see that something has changed? The stone has been rolled away. And in that Easter moment, when the stone is rolled away, our past, our present, and our future are wiped clean. As the ground shakes and the stone moves, the stones of your past are being rolled away. You may have sadness back there. You may have shattered dreams and broken hearts, missed opportunities and failed hopes, bitterness and resentment, wounds, promises broken, hurts that you don't think you'll be able to forgive or forget anytime soon, but the stone is rolling away. And as the ground shakes, the stone of your present and your past is being rolled away. In your present there are compromises that you have made. There are ways that you sold out that would have horrified your youthful, idealistic self. There are ways that we've domesticated Christ and kept the church at arm's length until it's convenient for us. There are times where we don't recognize ourselves in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who weep. 
We don't count the fruits of the Spirit. We don't recognize the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, or the self-control. But the stone is being rolled away. The stone of our past, the stone of our present is being rolled away. And as the ground continues to shake, the stone of your future is being rolled away. You're carrying a massive slab of concrete on your chest and on your shoulders, suffocating you until you can't breathe, weighing you down, and you can't imagine your future without that pressure. But the stone is rolling away. It's rolling away your past. It's rolling away your present. And it's rolling away your future. There are times that we can look at others and see they're closer to God than we are. Maybe the hope of God isn't real in my life. Maybe it's real in their life. I've always found prayer difficult. I've always thought the church full of hypocrites. I've always felt paralyzed to do something by the fears of my own limitations. But the stone is being rolled away. And all of a sudden you're invited to experience Christ with your own resurrection moments when you come to the garden with your hopes. All of a sudden you're invited to experience Christ because the stone of your past, the stone of the present, and the stone of the future is being rolled away. Because God is bigger than the stories or the earthquakes the fires, or even death itself, no matter how terrifying it may be. On Monday of this week, during Holy Week, news took over about the massive fire engulfing the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Over 850 years old, it's one of the finest examples of architecture, of French Gothic architecture of its time. It inspires people just by its presence. I was fortunate to have gone as a high schooler, and we heard a choir simply singing warm-ups, scales, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. And it was something that moved me beyond a space. And when we see something so important, such an iconic fixture crumbling away in our lives, we realize that there is more than just brick and mortar that we mourn in the loss. Reverend Kira Austin Young saw a burning church, but she also thought of all the other churches that had been destroyed or damaged. The black churches in Louisiana burned through racially motivated arson. The Washington National Cathedral damaged by an earthquake. The Christchurch Cathedral in New Zealand that is deconsecrated and condemned after an earthquake, uninhabitable, unworshipable because it's not safe. Churches destroyed by tornadoes, by natural disasters, and we wonder why are we so sad only when we realize it is the place that we have felt God the most. Reverend Austin Young remarks that in the basement of her church sits boxes of broken stained glass and splintered woods, remnants from her historic church that she serves in Nashville that were, be, that were able to be picked up when a tornado blew through the roof in 1998. 
They're holding on to these relics of the past because they hope to incorporate them into the building and the programming of the future. And you can look around this place and see the original stained glass windows from the original sanctuary of this church that were stored away in a basement until they were brought into our places of worship. And we begin to see signs of hope amidst the rubble, amidst the chaos, amidst the fire, the destruction, even amidst the earthquakes because that's when the stone is rolled away. Because buildings are never just buildings when they become sacred space, but they are just buildings when we cling onto them for what they are. But when the stone is rolled away, we allow ourselves to be overtaken by the goodness of God's love. And our past and our present and our future get new life in the resurrection. Whether it's Notre Dame or whether it's a small church on the corner, it is okay to mourn. When we see Christ's body suffering, it is okay to mourn, but God does not call us to be people who mourn. God calls us to be people of the resurrection. And we have our resurrection stories along the place, the people, the places, the stories that have brought you here that you will take from this place and carry with you wherever you may find yourself. For the disciples, they had to see the empty tomb and the linen clothes there lying in order to believe. In John's gospel, which we read this morning, one disciple stands outside the tomb while Peter peers all the way inside, walking amongst the clothes that bound Jesus. While all the meantime, on the outside, Mary, who had been first to the tomb, was weeping because she thought that she had lost Christ for a second time. Her heart could not take any more heartbreak. She didn't think she was strong enough for it. Then all of a sudden, a stranger appears, and Mary is so wrapped up in her grief that she doesn't even know who she's talking to. She gets it, realizes it's Christ, and then her resurrection begins. It started with the women going to prepare the body, and it began with the women telling the good news. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the other Mary were there because they brought their hurts and their hopes, but they found a resurrection. And now we have our resurrection moment. Maybe it's something as simple as someone saying, God loves you and so do I. Maybe it's something as simple by saying, you are welcome in this place no matter who you are. It could have been a profound mountaintop experience that you experienced when you were 18 years old and you haven't found that since. But maybe you haven't had your mountaintop experience yet. Maybe you're here because it's Easter and you want that feeling that you're supposed to have on Easter when the balloons are lifted up, we raise our alleluias and we sing, He is risen. But we're here to train and prepare ourselves for these very moments. Most importantly, we invite you to find the resurrection moments along life's narrow way because Christ lives for each and every one of us in our hearts and in our world. So go and find the resurrection places where Christ is already at work because Christ is already at work in your lives now and forever. Receive this blessing. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. 
May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our arms. And may the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.